Welcome to the Cryptomaniacs Podcast. Join Taskmaster 4450 and John G. Olson each and every week as they dive into the crazy world of cryptocurrency. If you are new to crypto or you've been through a few bear markets in the past, this podcast is for you. It's time to start the show. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, we are back with another Cryptomaniacs podcast. And and here's the the the, the I'm winning at life task. Look oh, at yeah. the, look what I put underneath. It's not Crypto Mondays. It's Cryptomaniacs podcast. I I properly put the 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 little title of the show today. Well, well, we're ten months into this, and that I know of, that's the first time you did it. So you, you're. That's probably a pretty decent rate. If you only do it once every 10 months, we can live with that. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm winning at life, man. I'm telling you. I, I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, I'm feeling good. So so staying up till 5 a.m. with your kids uh, does you well, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Like we said before we got on, I was I was up till 5 with the kids. But that, that was in anticipation of today because I was really excited. I felt like a kid at, at Christmas morning here. I couldn't go to sleep. Uh, I was too pumped up. Was that because of me? Uh, oh, well, yes, and your, your glasses, dude. Definitely your sunglasses. But uh, we have a very special guest this episode, uh, a guy that I've really been following basically since day one on the previous blockchain that shall remain nameless. Even though I'm sure it'll, it'll come up a few times today. Um but uh, here is Chris, Mr. Blockchain Cards. You might know him on the X blockchain and Hive as reseller, but we just we just found out. <laughs> so we'll dive into that first. How did you get that name, man? And why why is it kind of you're trying to move away from it? And then we'll get into your history and stuff. But welcome, man. And uh, we'll dive into the reseller brand. Yeah, gentlemen, thank you. No, like uh, when I first started Web3, the old Steam account, Steamian in 2017, I was heavily into making YouTube videos on garage selling and reselling way before Gary V, I might add, um, <laughs> who, who kind of popularized the whole thing, but we won't go into that subject. But anyways, um, yeah, so reseller was kind of like my name and I thought like I would just kind of piggyback a lot of my YouTube content onto Steam and that's where basically that name started from. And then so now I'm stuck with that stupid name. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so I'm going to go into your a little bit of your history, too, because I remember um, this is back 2018. And um, I'd gone out to Toronto for uh, Steam Creators. This was a conference that Steam Cafe was throwing. And, um, and you were doing these. Uh, it was on DTube. And and I, f I forget the name of it. it was like DTube like daily or something like that where you oh like, yeah you did like a little expose on a specific Steamian and highlighted what they were doing and you shouted me out and I'm just like holy crap man like here I'm getting shouted out I don't even know how to tie my shoes on a blockchain yet and this guy's giving mm -hmm. me props and stuff and it was one of the you know one of the first things that really resonated with me like damn this guy's paying attention to what's going on so. Um, yeah, man, you want to speak about how you got onto Steam and this whole crazy blockchain stuff? 
so real quick, that was the Steam at Minute. I would do a daily show where I would right. like highlight a new Steam in that I thought was relevant in the space, and then I would basically go over price and I would kind of highlight maybe some news points. And that was really fun as a daily show. I really wish I would have continued doing that, but it was a lot of work. My life is absolutely nuts. But uh, my really short history is I got into crypto in 2012. Um, that was like literally the wild west, no wallets, no really like, uh, major exchanges, no Coinbase, no hard, right. no hard wallets. Um, and so that's when I got into it. So I kind of did that whole thing, trying to navigate that got rug pulled a few times, a few times. If anyone remembers, uh, Cripsy, if anyone that's been in the, in the, in the wow. space since that time, Cripsy mm. was a guy that had this huge, uh, almost like Kraken or, or uh, Binance exchange and totally just left the world. I don't know where took everyone's coins. And that was like the first major rug pull in the space. Um, uh, or actually, I guess Mt. Gox would be another one, but um, I never got involved with that. But no, I've been in the space for that long. When I saw um, someone on YouTube talk, I think it was Jerry Banfield. Do you remember Jerry Banfield? That's a recurring theme. A lot of people say <laughs> they came to see Jerry, Jerry Banfield. <laughs> And so, oh my God, like that guy is just, uh, that guy is just a, a character. Anyways, I saw one of his videos like, oh, you can make $5 million a day doing like Web3 before it was Web3. Right. And I was like, this is like the most absolutely fascinating thing about getting paid the blog or vlog or giving your opinion and getting a tip or whatever. So that's right. what I got into. And I think it was like 2017. It might've been 2016, but it was in that area. So that's where I started. Like literally day one, pretty much. Not day one, but pretty close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much day one, I guess, for Web3 yeah. stuff. Yeah. So have, have you seen, um like like you said, like, I mean, there's a lot of things that were said now that are like kind of buzz terms, like Web3. And then you mentioned like how Gary Vaynerchuk was doing all the, the reselling now, even though, you know, this was like you've been. Have you noticed a, a, a change? Like, has it become more respected, let's say, from from, you know five years ago to today when it you know like the, the whole blockchain stuff the web3 stuff the reselling stuff all of this stuff have you seen a big change in that over the past couple of years there? yeah absolutely so i i was working on a gary uh vaynerchuk action figure we were actually talking to get one produced like maybe five or four years ago wow. and i was trying to tell him when we had private conversations about uh steam steam it and like hey you should be on this thing and we were trying to work something out and just it never fell through but he was very uh apprehensive about blockchain and i think he just didn't know the space and it, he was uncomfortable with stuff he didn't really know and, and then i was trying to tell him about nfts like a few years ago right. when we were trying to do that figure and he didn't want anything to do with it and it's like so ironically <laughs> funny that now he's like a raving the, the, fanboy of it right <laughs> the guy like it's so freaking ironic and yeah. uh i i've kind of i've kind of put myself into being some weird cosmic middleman between things because i helped steam it I, I helped the splinterlands get on wax you know i helped i've done so many different things where i've touched all these different projects in some small way mm -hmm. and these projects have become something else but with the gary thing um it's surprising to me that he got so it's not really surprising because once you figure out nfts and and the blockchain and web three and all this stuff. It's really fascinating. And people like him who are entrepreneurs, you we're naturally gravitate towards this space. Right, so right, right. I, I really do think it's more respected than it was five years ago. Absolutely. 
I got a little bit more of your history here too, man. So uh, th- th- another another thing that uh, the name reseller, which is really interesting, you actually set up some of the first merchandise I'd ever purchased mm. for Steam back then. I got myself a, sh- right. a, a no, I think it was a DTube shirt. Um, yeah. I ordered it directly from from your website, and I remember asking you, dude, like, can you make some like fitted? hats with logos and you were like no nah, there's i can't like my, my i can't figure that out. i don't know where just to get snapbacks that still just still just the snapbacks, snapbacks. and i'm like damn um but th- like you said the entrepreneurs like this is mm. what's attracted me and seeing you know how it's you know you've kind of before we even get into the nft stuff and and the vision of the the, the splinterland stuff etc cetera, etc cetera, but you you kind of had that ingrained in you. Is that is that from like previous before blockchain stuff, or did you kind of like? Oh dive yeah, into like this? when I was eight years old is when I started like kind of being an entrepreneur. Is like my dad would take me to the local swap meet at, when I was like eight or nine, and I would sell baseball cards. Nice. He would go and look for antiques and stuff, and he'd set me up with a table. And that's where this it, it all really started. Was at an early age I learned how to wheel and deal and deal with adults that were trying to take advantage of a kid that thought he didn't know anything. And that's the funny part. We'd have you know, adults trying to swindle me out of my seventies and sixties baseball cards. And I knew a lot more than they did about the subject. So that's where the entrepreneur side of me, uh, definitely started. So, um, I was naturally gravitated towards blockchain and my brother's the one that actually told me about it in 2012. And I started to look into it. Um, ironically, I worked for like a huge post-production place here in Hollywood, uh, before that was one of my older careers. I was a video editor. Um, and I was trying to tell the guys that were ahead of that studio, like we have all these servers and all these computers that are just sitting here. We should probably start mining Bitcoin with these extra resources. And I was mm-hmm. literally laughed out of the room and they would literally be a billion dollar company if they would have listened to me. So I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it, man. Um, yeah, it, that's cool. It's cool how how you your life kind of like the, the experiences you have kind of mold you for this stuff. Mm. Um, and I'm sure we're, before we get in anymore, I'm going to, I'm going to hand it off to task because I, I don't want to take all of the questions here. Cause I'll start bugging you. Now you, you mentioned baseball cards and trading cards. That's, mm. that's my segue. But before we get into it, you know, <laughs> before we start, go, you know, you can use it like, what, what did you say? You're in a, a Splinterland sandwich task? Is that, that that's kind of what you're uh, saying? I'm the meat in a Splinterland <laughs> sandwich here. So I'm, I'm the gold foil and you guys are the pieces of Splinterland bread, I guess. <sighs> that's a well, good one. That was really funny. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, throw a little mustard on me and we're, we're good to go. Uh, before you get into the, the drilling down, uh, you mentioned talking to, to Gary about NFTs. Uh, if you could, uh, could you give a, a brief overview from maybe a, a 3,000 or 5,000 foot level of what you saw back then with NFTs, what you see today, where you see this going? Because they, And the reason why I, I, I'd like you to do this is NFTs hold great potential, but many people are... Uh, how do I say, maybe scared off or, or maybe confused or a com- co- uh, combination of the two? Because right now we're, we're probably in a little bit of a bubble. I mean, there's a lot of NFTs being rolled out, but not many use cases. So a lot of people are saying it's garbage. There's nothing to it. Oh, they're just putting up a PDF. And so how can that have any value? Can you like give us a quick overview of 
what NFTs bring to the table and what you see as the future of this, because I do believe it's explosive. And I think you probably agree with that, too, that this could be explosive and game changing. But I'd like to get your view on on that for people who are just looking at the price and saying this is absurd. Okay, so NFTs, I first heard about them maybe 2014, 2015. I want to say it was in that area where um, there was a, a YouTuber called Mad Bitcoins, and he was like one of the first ones to to do, I think he's the one that did uh, the Curio cards, or it was something before that. But anyways, that was what I first got exposed to NFTs, and I think it was on Ethereum. And this was back when the Ethereum uh, transaction fees were like less than three cents. So it made a lot of sense back in those <laughs> days to to put something on there because of the ERC 20 or 21 or whatever the hell it is. And and so that was the first exposure. And I thought, like, this is a pretty cool thing to be able to have a digital collectible that is totally, you know, you, you own it. It's totally verifiable on the blockchain. Yeah. So that was interesting. And so I didn't really get too much involved, though I think I still have some of those. I think I even might even have a punk in some wallet I've lost, like, you know, in those days. And so right. that was like my first exposure. So on the on the surface level, we see that it's great for collectibles and it's great for ownership verification. And then when I really started to get into like crypto kitties where things could evolve and then Splinterlands where things could like really evolve. I saw it as like a, another opportunity to kind of express yourself if you're an artist. Um, uh, what do you call it? Also, um, uh, like the as far as what I see about the future is, I, I would definitely see NFTs in the in in, in like the um, uh, the insurance space, just other things that aren't collectibles, things that actually evolve. And I think what we're gonna see in the future. Um, if I was to guess is we're going to see NFTs that evolve ones that actually grow over time. Like imagine you have a, an NFT that's a seed and you plant it and then you go back every day and you water it. And this NFT changes from a, from a seed to a tree and then eventually it dies and becomes wood or whatever. That's what I think the future of NFTs are. It's going to be going into other industries. So it's like proof of uh, ownership, but then there's also going to be the other element where you're going to see like these Tamagotchi NFTs that literally are your virtual pets or, right. or virtual things that you actually own um the metaverse is a whole other thing too we can get into but um i i see nfts first when they first came out as novelties and then you see the utility behind them nowadays where where the sky is the limit to i think william quigley the ceo of wax put it perfectly where he said nfts are like mini computers and that's from the smart contracts that you're able to um you know, program these things to be just not collectible. So I, I really think that's what's going to happen in the future. We're going to see different industries absorb this technology for their own things for accounting and all that. So that's a long winded ex answer. <laughs> Do you uh, agree? There are some people who are forecasting NFTs are actually going to be bigger than fungible tokens. Do you, do you agree with that uh, concept? I, I would say it's like apples and oranges. They're both, they're two different things. Like they're both going to have their own industries and their own use cases. I don't say like non-fungible tokens are going to replace fungible tokens. Cause I think there's still a need for both, you know, even though like we drive cars, we still use airplanes too, you know, to get somewhere faster. So it's just a, it's just a use case. I don't think anything's going to change in terms of what's used more. It's just going to be two different industries. 
Do, do you see this? Uh, you, you mentioned the metaverse, but uh, e even before that, uh, as we talk about, you know, Web3 and, and my definition of Web3 is the convergence of our digital, our physical and our biological lives. And, and we're already seeing a, a digital layer laid over our physical world with sensors and all this other stuff. Do you see NFTs as our ownership mechanism of the future where most everything we own, even in the physical world, has an NFT representation of it? I think eventually we're going to get to something close to that. I think we're going to see physical things, physical ownership pieces of paper for, for many years to come. I think NFTs as, as, as proof of ownership is going to be something that's going to slowly roll into the future. But I do think the metaverse and everything is going to be relevant. We already have you know, our digital identities on Facebook and Twitter and all that with traditional web two. So it would make total sense for me that, you know, the transition into web three is going to, going to be digital ownership and being able to earn an income from just kind of doing the things we normally do for free. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from web three is that <clears throat> for the first time in human history, <clears throat> we can actually earn in a token or a dividend on just doing the things we did for free, like going on Facebook and liking and, and going on Twitter and retwittering now with uh, peak D and, and hive, you can actually earn a living doing the things you normally did for free. So I think a lot of these traditional dinosaur companies are going to have to pivot or they're going to die. They're going to go the way of the dinosaurs. So I think uh, I hate saying web three. I mean, I guess that's just the, the term we have, but, Web3 is definitely the future. And I, I try to tell my kids, like, you know, they're young. And I'm like, this is going to be your future where even when you go and watch TV, you're going to get paid for that at some point with some sort of token. Uh, things yeah. that you got, you did for free, that's not going to be how it's going to be anymore. You're not going to, when I was a teenager, I wasted hours and hours and hours playing Nintendo games and <laughs> I didn't get anything for it, you know, other than maybe just some dopamine you know, exposure or, or, or something or hanging out with friends. But I will, I really see in the future, you know, these, a lot of these things that we do for free are going to get monetized. I, I got yelled at, go outside. Would you turn the TV off, turn that video game off, go outside and do something. It's a good uh, point though. <laughs> I'll, I'll set John up on this one. Uh, because I, I know he's, he, you see the drool on his beard Itching. there. He's, he's anxious to get Itching. into this. But, and we've asked this of a couple of guests in the past. Uh, gaming seems to be a, a realm that is ideally suited for blockchain, for cryptocurrency, for NFTs, because obviously in game tokens, in game assets have, have been around for, for a number of years. So gamers are used to that. Uh, of course, the gaming industry, like most other industries, is dominated right now by a few centralized entities. We have this idea of a new model, if you will, to build gaming around whether, whether, whether excuse me, whether you call it blockchain gaming, play to earn, whatever the case may be. Uh, where do you see gaming going? Where do you see the major companies doing with gaming? And then, of course, NFTs as they, they relate to gaming. What, what's your view on that over, let's say, the next five years? So to be honest, I'm really surprised the big companies haven't got in, into it already. And my theory is without really being, you know, knowing what goes into a AAA company, um, I really think the regulatory stuff and the legal stuff is what's holding a lot of these companies back from diving in head first. I think that's what had to do a lot with Gary Vee. 
um, he didn't really understand the space and, and the logistics and everything. And he probably didn't want to get exposure to something that was going to be considered a rug pull or something that was going to be damaging to his mm-hmm. company. Mm-hmm. So I think we're starting to see, you know, celebrities start to tr- slowly trickle in. I, I remember when like just a, a D-list celebrity would get into to steam it or, or hive like, you know, a few years ago. And it was a big deal. Like, oh, my God, this person who voice yeah. acted like five years ago on Star Wars was like this big thing. Wow, we're cool. So it's cool to see like Eminem and everyone getting into the NFT space. And so um, I really think these companies are going to once there's regulatory stuff here in the United States, we're going to see a race to the door. And it's going to be where right now we're still in the honeymoon phase of NFTs. And I actually think the honeymoon phase of NFTs is over. But I I think in the future, we're going to see just massive amount of companies come in. And then it's going to be a fact where everyone's doing NFTs. So it's not a novelty anymore. It's going to be who actually provides a great utility or something that's different. That's This is where the creative people are really going to shine is who is going to be the next one to really innovate uh, a Fortnite or a Grand Theft Auto, um, how they're going to incorporate NFTs into that, and then we're gonna we're gonna see like hundreds, if not thousands, of millionaires minted off of the the major gaming industries getting into the space, like a like a Mr. Beast or a PewDiePie. We're gonna see some of those millionaires come into the to the blockchain space that had an idea and just capitalized on it. So that's my long winded answer. <laughs> it's it's exciting. I mean, I. So for me, like gaming has always been a part of my life. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to date myself, but I'm guessing you and I are kind of around the same age and, you know, kind of growing up with the the Nintendos and the, you know, and the Segas and, and everything like gaming has just always been a part of my life. And that transitioned, you know, like uh, it started with online gaming. My first experience was SOCOM. Uh, playing SOCOM, so I really started getting into the, the 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 shooters and stuff like that. Then Call of Duty just took over my life for you know over 15 years. I mean, it was just live, breathe, and died it. So I was new, and this is my segue into the game that shall remain nameless. Um, <laughs> I, I was new to card games. I was new to this new type of of game that was based on the blockchain so i'm getting into steam i'm really excited i'm pumped up i'm fired up and along comes these guys as you called yesterday on twitter i think you called them the Wright brothers which was perfect um <laughs> long comes these guys that come up with this idea and and it was branded as steam monsters i'm completely new to it. i don't know what the hell's going on i've never played dungeons and dragons magic the gathering hearthstone all of these things that would have set me up even pokemon i couldn't even like spell pokemon like that's how i had no idea i come from the call of duty background so i'm playing this game and i'm like this is just i i can't get in i just i'm not this is not me this is not me but something happened along the lines where the nft kind of switched on in my head and then i started understanding why i wanted these things Unfortunately, even though I was there on Steam Monsters day one, I didn't really have much. I kind of opened a couple packs and that was about it. My clicking, my my you know, getting into this and understanding this happened about a year and a half ago-ish. So I was there before the Splinterlands boom, uh, which allowed me to, to to get quite a few cards and stuff. But you saw this Steam Monsters time. You oh, yeah. were one of the original dudes into this. You've been working with these guys since day one. Uh, 
you literally saw this four years before it became a thing. Um, how? <laughs> First, is that from a gaming background? Is it from uh, you know the, the the combination of collectability with these things, or was like how did you see this massive movement that was coming in the form of Steam Monsters back then, but now Splinterlands? So <clears throat> kind of without getting into the metadata of collectibles, because there's a whole psychology about that. When Splinter, when when Matt first announced Splinterlands on or uh, Steam Monsters then on Steam, I thought this was great. I, I was an old Magic the Gathering player and I collected, I did collect Pokemon cards and, and just being a card collector, I was in that realm because I was exposed to it going to the card shop. So I knew about that right. and I kind of got involved with that. Um, the very first day i set up their twitter account i set up their the reddit account so like i was a social media manager like day one like that's what was my job uh a fun fact is i was the the second hire in in splinterlands uh Isaria, who does the music was the first i was the second clove was hired like literally the same day i was and then nate and then nate came in like a couple days later so those are like the ogs and then chris roberts Right, um, right, right. was there and his girlfriend and they were we were like the original hires for that for that for the for the steam monsters and then it's it's exploded into something crazy now so in the very beginning i was like this is going to be great i see the nft space i see the collectible space this is in my wheelhouse uh matt is such an amazing human being not only on a technical uh yaba p matt not mm -hmm. only on a technical aspect, but as a human being, he was, he's been really awesome to me. So in the very beginning, I knew in, in Jesse, um, aggro, you know, I, these two dudes, they, I knew that they had the pedigree and the experience because Matt did all kinds of great software for steam. He did mm -hmm. like the, the upvoter things and whatever. And yeah, post Hive, Hive, was, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And high and hive engine. Um, I think aggro and, and Matt created. So mm -hmm. these guys basically had a, um, a thing to go back on so you add all these things up you know for me and i knew like this was going to be i didn't really know it was going to be a success to be honest no one really does but i knew it had potential and the, and the right people are behind it and the right people are still behind it today right. and you know we could talk about ragnarok down the road and everything but i don't know the people that are behind that i know dan is funding it somehow i don't there's no website or anything but in the very beginning of splinterlands I saw who was who was in it. I was involved, so I knew this is going to be huge. So, mm. yeah. With, with uh, and John mentioned it that he was in before <clears throat> the big run, which uh, Splinterland certainly enjoyed a a nice run in twenty twenty one. If you step back and you look at where it is now, and, and maybe you have some inside four one one, maybe you don't, maybe you don't want to share it, but. If you're looking at Splinterlands from the point it is today and you're looking out two years, three years, where do you think the potential is based upon, you know, the roadmap that's out there or maybe your own intuition or whatever? What What do you think the next couple of years holds for? So right now, I, I really don't have like inside information because the whole team is different now. Like I don't even I don't even have the social media uh, 
rank anymore. I'm basically now an influencer. If you were to look at it on paper, I'm a team member, but I'm more like a, a social media influencer uh, than anything right now. So I don't have any inside track on the game, like any of the mechanics or anything, which is good. And just to let everyone know, a lot of the game is set up that way. Like even like Matt and, and Agro don't even know about certain things. So it's like, there's no insider trading. Like that's what I'm saying. That's another great thing that people don't understand is mm. <clears throat> the internal stuff that goes on on Splinterlands is so kept secret and only a few people know where people really can't gain the system if you work for the company, which to me just shows these guys are amazing. Um, in the future, I think the land that's coming out, I can say this, you know, like I don't know anything about the land other than what everyone else knows about stuff that's coming out this year but mm. i think that's going to be the next major thing and i think it's really going to change the landscape of not only splinterlands but what could be possible within a blockchain game so my five my two-year outlook is land is going to be so important and if you and i'm not shilling here but if you don't own a piece of land you should try to get one plot i know they're super expensive now and i wish i bought more because <laughs> everyone knows how crazy that that stuff oh, is gone you and me both yeah and so mm -hmm. i think that's going to be a major thing in the future is you're going to be doing your cards playing your battles tilling your land dealing with your guilds and it's going to be a, a bigger more uh, expansive universe in the next couple of years i mean I, I i'm so addicted to it it's ridiculous i mean me and my business partner go back and forth and go how many packs did you open today how many gold foil legendaries did you get i mean that's literally the conversation now instead of you know business and like feeding our families we're more worried about you know if we if we got a a, a good pull from from these cards <laughs> uh but that being said now these things have really become income generators and people you know, like we saw, you know, back when SPS first launched and stuff, you saw stories of people paying off their, their parents' car payments were done. They bought a car for their parents. Some people, you know, looking at their accounts and they screenshot it. It's worth over a million dollars worth of assets. I mean, you see this life-changing stuff. And sure, crypto has dipped and sure, SPS is down a little bit more. But like you said, land is coming. Is this going to change, like, just like you said, instead of playing Nintendo and just, you know, some dopamine getting in, will you see kids now that will be sitting at home going, well, you know, college is, and I don't know if this is a good or bad thing, but college is cool, but I'm going to play Splinterlands and basically feed my family for the next 20 years. Do you see a future where this is going to be everyday stories? Or? So it's already happening now. And I hate to go on like a negative kind of rant here, but the baby, the baby boomers have royally screwed our generation. Um, they enjoyed the sixties of free love and no STDs pretty much. They enjoyed all of daddy and mommy's free money. Their, their inheritances of nice houses that are probably worth millions of dollars. Now the baby boomers totally wrecked our generation in terms of, you know, they basically, just kind of pissed everything away and just said screw it we're going to have a good time and screw these other generations mm. blockchain is our comeback this is our time you know gen x gen z whatever millennials this is our piece of the pie that we we finally are are getting ahead after being screwed for like decades 
Mm-hmm. So that's how that's how I look at it in terms of where we're at right now and what the future of blockchain is. And it's we can lose it in a second because you already see like legitimate companies, big corporations start starting to come in and muscle their way into this industry. Um, it, it is what it is, but I think it's our time now. You know what I mean? And and, and anyone that's a part of the space is a part of and there's never too it's never too late to get in. Sure, it might be a little late to get into Splinterlands, but <clears throat> that's not necessarily true because there's new sets coming out. Uh, it's going to be different. Of course, there's always the first mover advantage for people that, you know, got in early, the the 100x, right. the 1000x. It doesn't mean that there there might be a 10x or something that's going to, you know, benefit someone in the future. And but I do think eventually the younger generations are are going to you know, not have traditional, we already see this right now in the jobs report. There was like tons of people that quit their jobs last year. Um, And it could have to do with the pandemic. It could have to be doing with people being forced to get the jab Um, and they're just quitting. And it could be just people that work from home for, for months realizing that their job was shit and that there's a better, there's a better way. So we're, we, we are moving as a society and the human race into another paradigm. The old ways are dead are dying we're in this we're in this like we're in this gray area right now of the old world and we are barely getting into the new world right now and we're barely starting to see the future but what's nice is i think for once in in i don't i keep saying in human history but for for once in a long time we have the ability as people that don't have multi-million dollars to actually change history and make the human race better than it was before with all these new technologies but we can also there's a fork in the road we can also Mm -hmm. go down the matrix road and totally screw everything up for everyone or we can have this utopia where you know uh scarcity's you know scarcity is not a thing and and we're we're helping our neighbors instead of trying to hoard this hoarder you know mentality that no it's mine and i think we're really changing into a whole new world but yeah to to to, uh, on your point but yeah i think eventually uh the newer generations are going to start to do this stuff as a job rather than work at McDonald's. <laughs> well, I, I agree with you. I think all all signs are pointing to the fact that there is a paradigm shift and it, it is cultural. It, it is a generation. It is a mindset, much like you said, the, the 60s and the, the free love and the anti-Vietnam uh, really impacted the baby boomers. Uh, which was interesting because they went from being hippies to being yuppies in the 80s and kind of threw out all those ideals and became uh, hardcore, uh, you know, capitalists and and let let me get what I can for me and uh, live for today and tomorrow be damned. Uh, And it's funny, we mentioned the Splinterland sandwich, but I'm, I'm a Gen X and in the tech world, in the technology world, there's another sandwich. And I want one piece of bread is the baby boomers who tend to be very technology averse. Then you have, of course, the other side is uh, the millennials who you just, they grew up with technology. It's like, you know, rain, it's just there. Uh, and then my generation, it's could go either way. We could either lean towards, oh, I don't know anything about technology. I never use computers or we're part of the, the millennials. And what's interesting about that is we all have uh, our own eyes that we view things with that we think is right. And in fact, I did a video about this the other day that if you look at the fudsters about cryptocurrency, what do you never see millennials 
doling out the fight. It's always the, the baby boomers. The dinosaurs. Uh, the Peter Schiffs, right? Well, Peter Schiff actually is a Gen Xer. Um, you know, but it, it's it's very interesting. And and you mentioned scarcity, and, and that's, you know, I went to school for economics. So one of the things that I write about and talk about is I think the difference between economics as we know it, classical economics, is that's a model that's built on scarcity. Crypto economics is built upon abundance. Right. And you know, Splinterlands, what I and I'm not anybody who watched their show knows I'm not really into it. And you know, but one of the things that amazes me is it seems like they figure out how to keep adding value to the game, keep expanding the abundance, not only what's out there going up in value, but you know, rolling out chaos, rolling out another set, rolling out SPS, and still providing value so the newer people have that first mover advantage. Okay, you don't have it with alpha packs. Those are long gone, but you can do it with chaos. You can do it with SPS. You can do it with some of the things that you can get into now. So I, I think you're right that we're seeing just seismic shifts in society at many different levels due to technology. And this is why when people say, and it's usually the boomers, oh, well, the government will slam that down. It's like, listen, the government will write up any regulation they want. You got to get some kid in Bangladesh on a laptop who can just program right around it. So what I, I, I'm just curious is your thoughts. How do you see this playing out? Because the thing that I see is, A, the baby boomers are dying off. B, they're retiring in mass, and C, the money they have is going from them to the millennials. So how do you see that playing out over the next decade where the millennials gain more and more power and this, we'll use the term metaverse since that's another buzzword that seems hot, but where this move into digitization is taking place? Yeah, so <clears throat> I definitely see, you know, the future of you know what we're moving into is sim similar to the 60s and the 70s that were the free love and and all that stuff before we like i said we have an opportunity right now to really change how we look at things and i think um the major thing that i think the shoe the the, the shoe that needs to drop is the regulatory stuff for the united states i think once we get some clarification on taxes and all of these different things that have to do with being legal, even though I guess taxes, income taxes aren't really, anyways, we're not going down that road, but any, <laughs> but any, but anyways, what I'm saying is to be legitimate businesses and to be legitimate citizens here, I think we're going to need to get some regulatory stuff going on. And then I think we're going to see this huge boom of different companies getting into this but we also still are at a crossroads where we can become and this is human nature and I, and it's going to be it's going to take generations for us to kind of change our mindset because we've been stuck in this capitalism mindset for over 100 years and so it's going to take maybe two or three or four generations to kind of wean ourselves out of that so it's not going to be an easy task but i think we have an opportunity right now as a human species not even just americans and canadians and all that but just as human beings to kind of move the the pieces forward to try to build a better society you know of course we're you know human nature we're 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 animals when you really think about it and we're very tribalistic by nature and that goes for thousands and thousands of years so a lot of the psychology stuff is going to have to change and it's going to take some uh interesting people uh not like an eon musk or anything like that but someone who's more compassionate and uh, is using their money to to really kind of 
build something for the future but um i see like in the future that this is going to be this is going to be a part of everyone's lives do you um agree with this uh obviously we know the success of, of facebook uh the facebook family those apps have a user base that's the size of india and china combined they have 2.83 billion users and we people have called that the network state versus the nation state and and obviously digitization is only going to keep growing and expanding over the next few decades do you see a, a point in time when when you look out longer term let's say 50 75 years because i've gone on record and say i've said that i believe the nation state as a governance model will be dead probably by the end of this century just like the feudal state is is in our past and that this idea of a network state this digital nation this whatever you want to call it i i see that only getting bigger and bigger and yeah right now we got the facebook's and the google's and the apples but eventually maybe in 15 years these de decentralized open source distributed networks that are voluntary i i could see them becoming a bigger and bigger part of people's lives do you agree with that assessment that's a really interesting point of view and I never really thought of anything in terms of that. So that's, that's very savvy on your, on your part to kind of really forward think about like governance as a whole. And uh, as us and on, you know, on, on hive, we deal with governance tokens and in block mm -hmm. producers and all that. So we kind of have many governments as you, as you could say, so I could see like that expanding into uh, global governments and everything. And I think that's what, scares a lot of the baby boomers and a lot of the legacy corporations is you know blockchain brings a a, a transparency to everything and there's a lot of sideways shit that goes down in this world <laughs> so much so that i i think we'd be actually scared if we actually knew the truth of how this world works mm -hmm. um and i think that's what one of the main things that's scary for 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 legacy corporations and baby boomers is is the transparency um, so I could totally see that happening, but it's going to take the right set of people and the right mindset to build that. It'll be like a 1776 event all over again, but it'll be a digital, it'll be like the, the dawning of the digital age. Really? So you see that as a revolution more than evolution. See, I see it as evolutionary. I, I think it'll just happen, like you said, naturally. The boomers will start to die off. The Gen X will get old. The millennials will keep expanding. And then the, the Gen Z or whatever they call it behind you will, they'll get more power and they'll build upon what be, went before. So when you start to look at the next 70, 80 years, um, you know, a lot can happen in terms of, like you've mentioned, the psychology and all that. Um, I don't know if it'll really be a revolution just so much as just an evolutionary change as, you know, more digitization comes into our world. Absolutely. And so that's a really good point also is, you know, is this the, just the natural evolution of the human species as we evolve in this world? And what's crazy is uh, <laughs> the universe is kind of... Um, kind of gave us this blockers with this lifespan that we have, you know, this short lifespan. So like I said, if if we're going to evolve into a different society, a different governance, we're going to have to have the right people in place to kind of watch this vision go forward. Uh, because all it takes is like a Nero 
a type emperor to come in and really just screw the whole thing up. You know what I'm saying? So you have to have the right people in place to evolve our societies into uh, a utopian. I, I hate using the utopian word because it's, it's, it's a nice kind of thought utopia, but it's not a possibility as long as we're humans, you know, cause we still have the same programming from like 5,000 years ago. So uh, I could see it happening. I don't know if it's going to happen in our generation, in the next generation, but I, I eventually see a different form of government. Hey, hell, it might happen in 20 years. We'll see. Well, Mark Zuckerberg's trying to do it now. I mean, he's, he's, yeah, Zuck is going to be the, the 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 emperor, man. Him and Nero, no. they kind of look alike, right? I mean, <laughs> see, that's what I'm saying. You have to have for for a, for a good government and a good society, you need to have the right people at the top. Right. Just like any organization, if you have the wrong people at the top, everyone else is going to suffer. I'm I'm going to kind of take this point and kind of go back a little bit here because this is this is this is really good stuff i'm looking here you got your you know we're talking about what's going to be the future and and how we're going to do this how we're going to build this as 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 a as a species and there even in the in our little blockchain space there is a warring faction that happens we have our maxis and then we have the rest of us so you're here with a wax hat on. You've got now, yes, Splinterlands can be bought and sold on wax, but it's on Hive. Uh, you come from the Steam and Hive experience as well. I'm you're obviously big into NFTs, so you're very familiar with OpenSea and Ethereum because we all love Ethereum. Um, so you are obviously not a Bitcoin maximalist. Um, do you see this as a stumbling block for us as crypto and blockchain enthusiasts, this warring, because we want the vision, right? The vision is to get to this beautiful place, not a utopia, but this beautiful place where there's abundance, like Tass said. Do you see this infighting as just idiotic? <laughs> is this like, do we have to go through this to get to where we want to go? Or uh, Because you, again, have experience with multiple blockchains. Uh, so, you know, what do you think? How, how do you think we're going to get there? So I'm going to boil the, <clears throat> I'm going to boil down this argument in like extremely simple terms, blockchains, the different blockchains are basically tools in a toolbox. You have this blockchain toolbox and all the different blockchains are tools in the toolbox. I think the maxis think that they're all in one Swiss army knife is going to change everything, but we right. need a hammer. We need a screwdriver. We need a drill, all these different blockchains. They serve their different purposes. And I think once we get into that mindset, that this is the, back again with the thousand year tribal mentality that my tribe's better than your tribe. Yep. It's right, the right, same right. damn thing, no matter what the age is. Right, right. Once we understand as humans that blockchain technology and blockchains are just tools in the toolbox, we'll be good. But yeah, it's the, the infighting about maxi stuff is dumb. And I, and I get caught up in that too, because I believe wax is a superior NFT blockchain than a lot of these Ethereums and things like that. But that's my opinion. But I also understand that there is a use for Ethereum. There is a use for mm. Shibby coin, though. I don't pretty, I don't think there really is, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to knock it because people right, like right. it. It's just like a, it's a tool in the toolbox I never use, you know? So that's how I view this, this whole argument. It's funny because I go to the technical and I go even simpler. I, I say, if you look at all the transactions that are done in the centralized world, 
between Visa, MasterCard, the SWIFT network, upvotes on Facebook, Twitter, tweets, retweets, all that stuff. And you just want to take a significant portion of that traffic and throw it on blockchain. We need a hell of a lot of bandwidth. And the Ethereum, Bitcoin, Hive, uh, Wax, not one blockchain is going to handle all of that volume. So mm-hmm. we just need a, a crap load more of it. Well, it gives people choices, right? I mean, like like you said, like like Wax has done an amazing job of, you know, like being the home base for NFTs. Now, yeah, Ethereum is OpenSea and everyone loves it and yada, yada. But Wax got, you know, I remember when they did the, the William Shatner like thing, you know, like a couple of years ago. That was big, man. That was huge. And then, that you know, huge. all of the, the licensing they've been doing. But. You look at it; it's fast. It's free. It's fast. It's it's it. It can handle that. Um, you know, like you can't. I mean, yes, sure, you could put a social network or something on Ethereum. It might cost you a few grand every time you posted something, but that's what Hive serves, right? Hive serves that. So it's like all these different, just like you said, tools in the toolbox. But it gives you choices. Maybe you're not someone who wants to buy and sell Bored Ape. You know. Guess what? You don't need to. You know, you can go and get something on. Well, for for your case, I mean, I remember you were really excited about like hive punks and stuff like that. Like you, you, you thought that was cool, and and that's a choice. You could do that. You don't have to be in this little box. And that's what blockchain right. to me gives is just choice for things. Yeah, I still think hive punks is pretty cool. I'm not sure exactly what they're doing with the project, but it's mm. still you know it was something fun, and and that goes back to why i think wax is superior is they have all those tools where people can the the barrier of entry is very thin and you can get right in and start creating your own stuff like if hive had that if they had an atomic hub if they had like software or websites that you can go and create your own nfts easily because i think um is it what's the what's the art thing on hive NFT showroom. Yeah. So NFT showroom was the first time that I can remember of any individual just being able to go and kind of mint NFTs on Hive. So I think if, if, if Hive wants to become, you know, an NFT beacon of whatever, I think they need to develop those kind of software and and those kind of websites for people to go and, and, and do that like Wax has. And I think that's what really set Wax apart from everyone else is the ease of use. I think Deluxe is mo- trying to move in that direction too. Mm. They're they're putting that stuff together. I, I do have a Splinterlands question. Uh, I'd like a little forecast from you, not necessarily Ooh. a pricing forecast, but wow. uh, just, Splinterlands just, question. Like just uh, hey, listen, I'm trying to fit into the concept of this show that you've taken in a totally different direction than when we started ten months ago. But anyway, uh, I digress. I <laughs> What do you think the future is, not so much from a pricing standpoint or a market standpoint, but from a use standpoint, what do you think of SPS? Where do you see that going? What would, again, over your two or three year time frame, what do you see that doing? So the selfish part of me wants to tell everyone that it's going to zero. But I, I know that if you read their white papers and you that's another thing, too, is is you can gauge a lot about what's going on with a with a company by reading their white papers and their blogs. And when you read the latest updates that uh, the new uh, dice pack series that's coming out is mm-hmm. going to be only SPS, that's that's a sink. Uh, when you see that the the issuance is going to go down, that's another sink. So it's like you study. You said you study economics. It's basically supply and demand. And I think there's going to be a lot more demand. For SPS, in my personal opinion, in the next few years, um, I can't tell you like it's going to moon or it's going to go up or down from here. But I know that 
Matt in agro are such smart people that they understand psychology and they understand how to make things move forward. And so I wouldn't mm -hmm. be surprised if we see SPS, you know, leading, you know, the way forward with different things, but I'm, for my personal opinion, I'm bullish on SPS. So you think it'll be a central part of the platform in some way, shape or form? Oh, I think it's going to, yeah, I think it's going to go along with deck. I think deck's going to, you know, dark energy crystals is probably going to end up being the, the kind of standard or peg or what do you call it? A stable token or stable coin. Yeah. 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 So X going to become that stable token that people can transact across. And I think SPS is, is going to be uh, the utility token. That's going to help you earn some yield or, or get you. Here's the thing. Like I know nothing about land, like what's coming out, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's a, if you stake a certain amount of SPS, it's going to have some effect. You're going to be able to buy stuff with SPS. I have no idea, but these guys are smart guys and they're not just going to let that die. I think it's also being structured as, am I incorrect, John, as a governance token, too. It'll have yes. some governance yeah. with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. and um, with player staking and stuff, too. I mean, that that's what really got me excited. And what, you know, my partner and I really got pumped up about this is because that opens it up to, because you're going to basically be able to stake your SPS on different players and get a return depending on how they performed in the game. So you're like basically setting up little mini sponsorships uh, and you could <laughs> like this to me blew my mind. It's like, oh, OK, I can totally see how esports is just going to explode on Splinterlands. I can see how the, the whole gaming community and gaming industry will just flood to this once this becomes a reality. And that's still coming, just like you said, with land is coming, too. So there's so many things that are coming with Splinterlands. It's just we still live in the society of the microwave dinner, right? We want it now. We want it fast. We want it hot in 20 seconds or less, but this stuff takes time to develop. So um, I have a, I have a question. This is a personal, um, uh, if you can say yes or no to this would be great. Um, you were sharing a few things on Twitter the other day, and uh, it got me rem reminiscing of, of my two favorite collectibles that I have on the planet right now. Uh, it is my uh, my Steam Monsters Gold Dragon that I got. Uh, uh, I think I got this from going to Poland for Steam Fest. And then I got a Frost Giant. Uh, uh, this was for Steam Creators, excuse me. Yeah, so I got these two physical cards promo cards they were promo cards to get people really excited about getting a, a you know a starter pack etc cetera, etc cetera. you created these if i'm not mistaken you started yep. this whole print and obviously the you know finding these on ebay i've even looked i mean it's like thousands of dollars for these things it's just it's astronomical do right. you have any plans or does Splinterlands have any plans of redo? I know that Agro has said in the past that he's a digital or a digital company. They don't want to do necessarily, uh, you know, physical stuff. They're digital, digital. But do you have any plans to revisit this for the degens like me who just want to buy anything Splinterlands related? <laughs> Yeah. So real quick, um, I go through a third party to make those. So like I'm the kind of middleman with getting those all designed and, and printed. And, and that was my whole idea. I think the first one we did was given out at Comic-Con in 2018. And, and we've done kind of uh, um, 
some other conventions and things like that. So um, that was really fun to make. I actually did this, all the stuff for the Kickstarters too. I didn't do the book, but I produced all the, the sets. Did you get any of the Kickstarter sets? No. Cause again, I was so stupid and didn't realize what was in front of me. And then I, you know, <laughs> now it's like, I, I, yeah, there's a printed book that a bunch of people got. And I'm like, how the hell do I get this now? You can't get right. it. It's like, so, yeah. yeah. So there's no plans to do any physical cards. Um, I mean, they want to do more promo cards like you see with the codes on them for when Agro and Matt go to different conventions, they can hand them out because I think right, that's right. smart. Um, Matt was really a genius in, in being able to print all those codes uh, using um, kind of a script on in Photoshop somehow uh, and then being able to track all those codes. That's what I'm saying. The guy's a mad scientist. Like, I knew this guy was was a mad scientist in the very beginning, so I knew like yeah, this yeah. guy knew his shit. So, um, but in short, no, there's no plans other than maybe making some promo cards to give out, but right. uh, no sets or, and like you said, like it, it doesn't make any sense. Like it's it's for us old uh, old farts that love physical cards. Uh, it, it makes sense. That's why I did him. Right, but right. in a digital world, it doesn't make no sense. Uh, what's even crazier, and I hate to even put this out here to make you kind of your mouth water a little bit, but I do have the the ability to um, make packs, like foil packs, and have them sealed, and and all that kind of stuff, which we never even explored. Like, oh. um, so I have the ability to like print all these different cards, and then and then have them collated, and then you can find ultra rares, and you know what I mean. There, I have that ability to do that, but we've never discuss that because those guys are so often their their world trying to just let this get the servers to like work correctly you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. so it's like this other kind of side stuff they've kind of outsourced uh, for other people but um i would say eventually we're going to see some physical more physical stuff printed i i i'd love to like you know look at look at the books and like just to see them and and to, to, to have that Here, stuff. here's what we do oh. okay here's what here's what i'll do you, you said you don't have a book no no i have an extra one um you're in canada i'm in the beautiful frozen tundra of canada yeah okay so what yeah. i'll do is after this show in the next few days i'll put a package together for you and i'll send you some stuff how about that because i appreciate oh, what you're doing with like supporting splinterlands and this makes total sense for me to, to just send you some stuff that you don't have that i have like i think i'm tearing up a little bit like, i don't think you understand <laughs> that's amazing, no that's what though. that's what we do i have some i have a couple mm -hmm. extra books from the kickstarter and i have some extra sets from the kickstarter oh, wow. and, and i'll definitely uh send you a care pack because you're an awesome guy i appreciate you well that got me buying a bunch of packs on general sale for sure <laughs> so, <laughs> like like you weren't doing that anyway well i wasn't gonna you know but like you know might get i might you know do a little bit more now. well i've been buying my chaos pack so i'm not one to talk either but i don't open them go. i'm saving them for the mm. unopened that down the road they'll have nice value i presume so so you bring up a good point because now we're starting to see the scarcity thing <clears throat> come into effect where they're printing so much stuff where i don't see you're probably going to see a 10x return on any of those chaos packs but right. uh eventually I, i'll say you're going to see a, a positive return on those and that's another thing is i've been waiting for the general release so i can buy cards on the cheap because the market's going to be flooded yeah, it's, it's simple like economics uh, there's going to be so many cards on the market that i'm waiting I'm not even going to buy packs. I'm waiting for those cards to go on the market so I can just have maxed out. I can just go and buy maxed out stuff on the cheap. So that's my that's my game plan for those. Yeah, it's for for me, it's been you know like the gold foil legendaries, and I just see the price dip and dip and dip. And because when I got into it, 
I was buying the untamed and the dice gold foil legendaries for, you know, 70 bucks, 60 bucks. You know, that's when I kind of got in and really got hooked. And I'm seeing it creep down, down, down. These are like 120, 130. And just like you said, general sales is going to come in and there's going to be this flood of them. And you're going to be able to max them out for, you know, a couple hundred bucks, maybe, you know, I mean, right. it's, and that, that's what I'm waiting for, too, for sure. So I so, you know, t speaking of economics, you see market cycles where uh, this summer we saw that huge boom of people coming in and buying cards and signing up for Hive and all that. Mm -hmm. I think that next boom is going to be once land comes out and it, and that's right, right, all sorted right. out. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be as big as a pop as we saw this summer. But who knows? What I'm saying is the next kind of pop in the whole kind of lifeline is going to be the land. So we'll see what happens with that. If we could, if we could step back even one 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 degree further, you've been uh, you've been around the this blockchain for a while. What is your view of Hive? Uh, where it is? Uh, where you see it going? Are you optimistic about Hive? Again, not the token, not the price. I mean, a dollar thirty, dollar fifty. Who cares? Just what's going on and how things are transpiring. How would you sum it up and and give us your view over the next few years of that? I, I love Hive, um, and that's 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 an understatement. Like I, I really think Hive is is a very underrated and underappreciated uh, blockchain in the space. Mm -hmm. I, I'm very bullish on Hive. I don't know necessarily the token, but I love the fact that there's there's a certain amount of freedom to express yourself, and that's what makes Hive so great. I mean, sure you can get downvoted, but that's just tribalistic in nature, where the tribe is gonna regulate itself. I love that aspect of it. I, I do appreciate downvotes, you know, if they're if they're if they're necessary. I don't like the whole downvoting just because you don't like their politics. Right, right. Yeah. I think, but I I'm really bullish on Hive, and I think the only thing that's gonna make Hive really take off is if we get celebrities and other bigger companies coming in and util utilizing the platform like they would with a Twitter or um, a Facebook or, or whatever. But I'm very bullish on Hive and I and I love the platform. Like Peak D is what I use to do my blogging and stuff. And, uh, and now I'm a part of like the one-up cartel and yeah. uh, what are the other ones? Like I haven't done any of the Leo stuff. I, I feel like I missed on Leo. Hmm. But I, but I with like you know the SPT the splinter token and all these kind of things. There's so many different ways to earn a token just by doing blogging and vlogging and stuff. It's 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 I love it. It's a creator's paradise. We we often talk about that how far it's come because when when John and I and and obviously when you started, there were two tokens that got distributed: Steam and SBD. Uh, and you know, there was no hive engine, there was no tribes, there was none of this stuff. And now, I mean, you got whales all over the place, not necessarily hive whales, but they're whales in Leo or whales in STEM or whales in CTP or whales in SBT. And, you know, there's just so many different ways to get rewarded. It really is abundance. I mean, we talked about that and it's like, okay, maybe you don't get a lot on your post in terms of high payouts. But you might get upvoted by somebody who has a lot of Leo or a lot of CTP. Right. Uh, and all of a sudden, I mean, uh, we had a, a few weeks ago, or I guess it was a, a little more than a month ago, we had Flowey on. And he says he's going around voting with the one up and he's handing out, he potentially could be handing out huge dollar amounts with his one up stake. And it's like, well, where was that two months ago? It wasn't really mm -hmm. even in existence. 
So that that's kind of an amazing thing. Yeah, and it's the very beginning of that. Like, that's another thing that I'm kind of afraid of too. Eventually, like all these tokens, everyone with their own token, and it's kind of going to totally base. But I think if we can keep these core tokens as they are and kind of build off them, like if everyone's creating tokens, like eh, everyday tokens, it, it's going to be meaningless at some point. But I, I think if we keep that in check in terms of like how many different tokens are coming out and what's going on, I think we can build a good ecosystem. But the second I come up with a coin and you come up with a coin and John comes up with a coin and everyone's got tokens and it's going to cause so much confusion, but I, I do have a positive outlook on everything. Well, but, mm. but wouldn't that, and, and you kind of mentioned it with Splinterland, uh, the, the supply-demand equation you mentioned with the, the flood of cards. Network effect takes care of a lot of that. So, I mean, Splinterland, and, and I don't know the numbers. I'm sure we could go to Peak Monster and, and pull them up. But Splinterlands today is much bigger than it was a year ago. Now, oh, is it a big is it big enough difference to offset whatever 15 million packs being dumped on the market, which equates to however many cards? Maybe not. But if if they grow over the next year, like they did over the last year, all of a sudden, all those cards, all those unopened packed, all the stuff with chaos, that seems like, wow, there's an overwhelming amount of stuff out there. It won't be an overwhelming amount when you just double or triple your user base uh, again. And so it's the same thing with Hive. Yeah, it gets, you know, right now we have like 8,000, 10,000 people on, on chain regularly or whatever it is, at least from the blogging perspective, the proof of brain perspective. And, and so maybe for a lot of these tokens, it's not enough. But what if we have a million people on here each day? Then all of a sudden it's like, well, yeah, maybe I bring out a token and it's a harebrained token and nobody cares about it and, and it's basically worthless. But then John brings out a token and all of a sudden it's like his following just jumps all over it because 50,000 people or 25,000 people are, are on his platform. Uh, I see a lot of that in, in you know, your communities. You'll have some small communities, but then you'll have like a Splinterland community that just goes absolutely haywire. That's a mm. great point. Yeah. You know, I, I've, I've always felt a lot of our problems are hive are solved just by bigger numbers. Yeah, much bigger numbers. I, I think I it comes back to what you said, Chris, about having like the, not the D-list celebrities, but, you know, a, a B or an A-list come in and start saying, you know what? This is where I'm going to be blogging. This is where I'm going to be creating content. This is where I'm going to be uploading videos. You have one of these people, and, and, I, and I hate saying it because then you start, you know, going like, oh, we need this person to be a success or anything like that. But I think it will help. It will be astronomical. Like, all it takes is one of these disenfranchised right-wing guys to say, I'm going to this new platform because I got kicked off of Twitter. Oh, it's huge. Um, and I'm not saying we need to get left or right wing nut jobs right. on any side. Coming I, over I hear what eyes, you're saying. We, we don't want that, but I, yeah. I hear your point and it's a very valid point. It's like, you know, we could grow organically, but it's not going to be as powerful if we have some major voices in the, the other kind of legacy right. space coming in and saying, and I think that's going to eventually happen. I think we're going to see that. Uh, someone's going to come in and then they're going to get it. Like, that's the thing is a lot of these celebrities, they're all in their own other world, but someone's going to come along and they're going to see what everyone's built here. And they're going to be like, this is amazing. And this is what I'm yeah. using. And uh, I think that's what's going to happen. 
Yeah, yeah because then all of a sudden they throw it out there and they got a following of a million five or two million or five million followers. And it's like, boom, they just reach more people in, in one tweet or one blank or one whatever uh, than we would reach in 10 years. Yeah, it's definitely a word of mouth. And I think that's a lot what happened with Splinterland success is, you know, eventually people were like, oh, you know, this game, like I, I sold this card for like $500 or $1,000. And it's pretty cool. Like you should check this out. Like this is actually a fun game. And, and everything snowballed and then right, coin, right, right. coin market, coin desk and all this. They did these ads and they did these these blog posts and then eventually people were like, oh, wow, this is cool. You know, this is the answer to Axie Infinity. And 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 so I think the network network effect does take place. And I think that's how Hive needs to become successful is is to, to kind of go along with that. You, you bring up a valid point, and, and this is something that John and I tend to, to not focus upon, uh, per se, because we're, we're not price watchers and what, what's the market doing. But from a wealth perspective, what part does wealth play into this? And, and what I mean by that is everybody knows there's a crap load of money on Ethereum and surrounding Ethereum. And I mean, if you want to find the money, it's Ethereum. There, There's just a ton of it around there. Now, Hive obviously is much smaller. I mean, Marky with Hive Punks did a, a pretty incredible thing, a couple hundred thousand dollars uh, in like 48 hours or whatever, which that's a drop in a bucket on Ethereum, but that's huge money on Hive. When you start to mention, like the example you did, somebody talking about Splinterlands and saying, hey, I made $500 here, or somebody in these third world nations saying, uh, you know, I, I went on this platform and I, I made like 50 bucks last month or 20 bucks, which in, in that country is like their minimum wage for the month. What what impact do you think wealth has on our future growth? And the more wealth we have around here, does that just feed upon itself and make this place more attractive, you think? Uh, I think so, because I, if wealth comes in, the only thing it can really kind of do is, you know, spread the upvotes around and, and kind of all that and have a little bit of influence. And I think that's actually a scary thing, too, is if someone with a lot of money and power comes in, they'll be able to kind of move things around. Um so I'm I'm a kind of afraid to to see you know if if wealth does come in and 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 what they actually do with that. But I do think if wealth did came in, it would change, you know, a lot of different perspectives on things. So we'll we'll have to see. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Well, we know what happens when wealth comes in to try to take over. Well, before that didn't work so well. <laughs> that was so great. Like that was like I, I hope I guess they're yeah. gonna they funded that documentary right. I cannot wait to yeah, see it come did. out. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be great, uh, dude. This is this has been a blast, man. I mean, um, again, just it's 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 always fun for me when we have you know these guys and gals that have been here for so long that have kind of ridden through the storm, that have seen the fork and what we used to be to here. Um, so it's 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 awesome, and all the success you've been having, you know, with this vision that you had years ago with all the the NFTs and the blockchain cards and uh, Splinterlands and stuff. So. Uh, before we get out of here, is there anything uh, you want to mention, what you're working on, things uh, people should be paying attention to that you've got uh, bubbling here so they know uh, you know how to follow you and how to keep up? Yeah, I mean, I got all kinds of things in the works, but if you want to follow my journey, you can go to, on Twitter uh, at Blockchain Cards and follow me from there. Or, or, or at Reseller on Peak D and Hive. <laughs> yeah, at Reseller. It's the best uh dude you'll always be that to me man because yeah. you know that was like the 
my first purchase was like first blockchain based anything purchase was was your DTube shirt, man. That's so cool. always- now, now, now you know if you bring anything out in physical form, John will buy it. Yeah, you just have one customer for anything you bring. You could sell a rock with high printed on it. John will buy it. There, you- <laughs> Sorry, I was just say real, no. I was just say real quick. Like a fun fact is like I was one of the first people to actually do blockchain uh, swag. Like I, yeah, I had an, yeah. I had an ad in the, one of the early Bitcoin magazines. Like I was I was one of the first ones to make pins and things like that. So uh, that's just my nature. So are, are you still doing that? Are you still got stuff you're selling? No, I mean I I have an Etsy store. And right. I don't have like a, a website that you can go directly to. That's really easy. But I, I do sell crypto stuff. I mean, this is where I made all these things. So yeah, yeah. I'm still doing it. It's basically like another egg in the basket. Yeah. 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 You're talking about Matt. I got the uh, I got the uh, Yabba P Matt ver- uh, edition uh, Splinterland shirt. You know, I, I yeah. wear Matt close to my heart. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Those are the original business cards. I still have mine. I wonder if I have one here. <laughs> the best man no, like i don't <laughs> that's the best well thanks uh, for having dude, me guys yeah man appreciate hey, we'll you man back on here yeah maybe for sure. when we'll, land uh, comes we'll, out we'll we'll bring you back on to give us an update what you think about this stuff it's a great idea cool all right man thanks for coming and uh, everyone that was watching in thanks for tuning in and uh have a great week we'll see you guys on friday ciao Peace. Thanks for listening to the Cryptomaniacs podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and look forward to hanging out with you again next week.